Welcome to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast, the podcast for special educators who are looking for personal and professional development. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Reeve. For more than 20 years, I've worn lots of hats in special education, but my real love is helping special educators like you. This podcast will give you tips and ways to implement research-based practices in a practical way in your classroom to make your job easier and more effective. Welcome back to the Autism Classroom Resources Podcast. I am Chris Reed, and as I am recording this, we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic that has shut down schools in many states and across the world. And did we plan for this? Of course not. So this has been very sudden and unexpected. But then even when we have changes in the school calendar due to weather or due to illness, like when schools shut down because of an outbreak of the flu, it's always unexpected. And I think what has surprised me most uh, so much this time is just how fast things are changing. At the beginning of the week, most schools weren't closed, but by the end of the week, most were planning for it, if not already closed. Some are closed for two weeks, some are closed for one week, some are closed for six weeks, some haven't said how long they're closed. So it's it's very fluid, I guess would be the right word. So Whether you're in the midst of this particular pandemic closure, or if you're just experiencing closures due to a regular flu epidemic or extended weather closings, I think this episode will still hold up with tips for preparing your students to leave and return from school. It also may give you some ideas of things to send home with students and ways to communicate with families during this hiatus. To give you some context, if you are listening to this at a later time, every school is different in their expectations of work for the students. Some teachers have told me that there are no expectations for preparing work. Some of you are preparing for digital online learning and wondering what that looks like for students who have severe disabilities. Others are being told to send home paper-based work that students can do, and still others are told to prepare for X number of weeks of learning, and there are no specifications. And finally, therapists and behavior analysts are trying to figure out what their role might be in order to do therapy in this way. So let's just hear it for how all of us really crave a little structure in our lives right about now. So in today's episode, I thought I might help with some ideas and resources to maybe give us all a little structure in this somewhat chaotic situation and whatever similar time you may find yourself in that this can be useful for as well. I have two main areas I'm going to focus on today. First, I want to talk about how we can help support our students in general when there are unexpected changes and potential lack of structure. And this might be during a hurricane if you live in Florida where I do, or it might be an extended absence from school for weather, or it could be our current situation with COVID-19. Next, I want to talk about what we might want to send home or do to help our families support our students during the break and what we want them to implement for learning over that time. So let's get started. So number one, preparing our students for upcoming changes is really nice when we have that chance. But even if we don't have the time to prep them for the change beforehand, strategies like social stories or social narratives can still be helpful. They can ease some of the anxiety that's caused by the sudden changes. And information is useful for all of us. 
Just look at how many hits websites like the CDC and other health-related resources have to know that we crave information to make sense of a situation. Our students are no different. You can help by giving them information about the situation at a level that they can understand. Social narratives may provide that and also help them identify the feelings that they're having about all the changes. They can even provide them with some coping strategies to help them digest the information and understand what's happening. So in the blog post for this podcast, I will put some links to a variety of social stories that can be helpful for COVID-19, and I'll come back when other situations arise in the future and share others as well. And you can find the post for this episode at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 30. Number two, keep routines as normal as possible. This is true, again, for our students and for us, and keep students engaged in meaningful activities as much as possible. I've just pointed out how much we all really crave structure, and that's no different for our students. I know how hard it is to try to keep things normal when nothing seems normal, but being off the routine is one thing that strikes anxiety for many of us and for our students. So while you're gearing up to dismiss for a break or after the students return, work hard to get back on the schedule or keep the schedule going as much as you can. It's easy to just let the structure go in times like this and kind of lose track, but in the end, keeping the structure will decrease and prevent problem behaviors and make our lives easier. So although it takes a little extra work, it's a little bit, it's, it's going to help us in the long run. Number three, use more visuals. You know, that's a big thing with me if you've listened for a while. I always say that if your students need visual supports in a regular everyday setting, they need more supports in new settings and situations. For that reason, consider sending visuals home with the students. If you need, if they need the visual supports in your classroom, being home when they're usually in class is going to be a very new situation for them. It's going to be particularly different if their families are asking them to learn and do schoolwork at home. So for some of our students, that may also be stressful. Having visual supports that they can show them about what they're going to be doing that day will be helpful in addressing some of those issues. Number four, answer questions as honestly as possible. And this kind of goes without saying, but if you have students who are asking about the virus, the weather, when school will be back in session, you want to answer them with the best information that you have. It's tempting to minimize those questions. Oh, everything's going to be okay. But that doesn't really address the underlying concern. Some of you don't know when your students are going back to school. Some of you don't know when you're going back to school. And it's okay to tell them that and let them know that their parents will be notified. And let them know that as calmly and fully as you can. The more calmly that you answer those questions, the more that you let them know that you're going to make sure the family has that information, that their family will tell them when they're coming back to school, the less anxiety they'll be. And they take their cue from us. So we just have to always keep that in mind. Number five, it's okay in these situations to back up a little bit on tasks and do more maintenance tasks. When you're preparing for a school dismissal or coming back from a school dismissal, it's okay to go back a little bit and work on things that are easier. I don't know about you, but I tend to gravitate towards things that are easier for me to do when I'm anxious. 
For example, I was halfway through preparing the stuff for my accountant for my taxes when all of the school closings and the national emergency began and really took root. And so I stopped. (laughs) I did things like this. I watch a lot of news and I'm not too sure when I'm going to be getting back to my taxes. We and our students can only handle so much stress at one time. And adding new material that they're not confident about on top of that anxiety about whether they will get sick or their parents will get sick or when school will start again, among all the other things, will just compound the anxiety. So it's okay to go a little easy. And when you send homework, think about that as well. Maybe send home more maintenance tasks than new material for students to work on. Because trust me, Many of them also work a lot better for you than they do for their parents. So you're asking everyone to do things that are a little bit new. Number six, focus on the good things. Uh, The people working together to prevent the spread of disease, the opportunity to spend more time with their family, that your family is safe from a natural disaster. And I realize that everything is not sunshine and roses, believe me especially if you're listening to this after a natural disaster or expecting one, waiting for a hurricane or something like that. But in general, the more that we find the good in things, the less anxious and more productive we can be. For your older students, try to discourage them from getting caught up in social media. It tends to spend a lot to spread lots of rumors and tragedies, and we can't control that. Hopefully, we as adults are able to weed through and weed out those things, but many times our students don't have those skills. So focus on the positive. So let's talk for a few minutes about preparing materials to go home. Um, For students who are going to be out of school for extended times, for many of our students with severe disabilities, we really need to be thinking outside the box to determine how to help them remain engaged in learning at home during school closures. Instead of paper and pencil or digital resources, it might be a calendar of activities families can do with their child that integrate communication skills practice or life skills practice. And here are some ideas of things to send home or to put on course management systems like Canvas or Moodle or ones like that. If your students are accessing online materials, remember that if you have a unique learning system or news to you, you can use their student logins and you can set them up with materials for them to practice skills at home. The good thing is that this year you actually started being able to get data from their work on their login pages. So you can actually track their progress in that way. And right now, ULS has remote learning professional development set up that you can access and show how to get them set up in that type of situation. Second, I've got a blog post that I'll link to that gathers resources from my free resources libraries with tips of how families could use them at home. They're not whole units, but many are templates that you could use for different lessons to be used throughout the time off from school. In addition, I've made changes to my terms of use for all of my products, both free and paid, that you are allowed to put them on e-learning platforms as long as the student has a login and the student or family is the one with the access. And you can also send them home to families of the students on your caseload. You still can't upload them to Facebook or community drives to share them with everybody in your school or outside of your school, but I want you to be able to use the tools you have the way that they are needed. So I'll put a link to the blog post and the terms of use in the show notes at autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 30. Number three, 
For students with autism and related disabilities, consider sending home visuals that you found to be effective for your students, but that would also apply to the home environment. That might include visuals for using the bathroom and washing their hands. It might be leisure or recess schedules that they could use to structure leisure time for their children at home. And I have free leisure schedules in my TPT store that you can download and send home. And you can check the blog post for that exact link. Number four, consider making a calendar of activities for your students or perhaps a daily schedule of the work that they need to do at home. This is particularly important if you're being asked to actually create lesson plans. It could be a life skills calendar of activities that the students can do around the house each day to practice skills. So it might go something like Monday, cook with mom using a visual recipe. Tuesday, plant a seed and document its care and growth. Wednesday, do a web search for the local health department to see what their responsibilities are in the community. Thursday, take a nature walk and pick up things that you see and talk about them. Play I spy on the walk and then bring the items home and talk about describing them. And this could be either a verbal or written activity. Friday, complete a printable activity from the cooking activity that reviewed what you cooked and how it went. So, and I'm actually got some ideas as I was working on this that uh, I may try to put something like that calendar. Scavenger hunts would be a great thing for families to do. So I may put together some tools for that in the next week or so. And number five, finally, if you have the time, consider making some quick videos. They don't have to be fancy. They can be quick phone videos of you working with a student implementing one skill that you want them to continue to work on at home. Will every parent do it? Of course not. Will some parents do it? Probably. Either way, you will know that you've shown them where the student is with that skill and how you're teaching it. Send home the needed materials for continuing to work on that skill. And I would choose activities that will fit into their daily life, like learning to wash their hands, doing a chore around the house, or identifying common objects that they find at home. Or encouraging communication would be a really good one to work on. There are tons of things the students can do at home that I keep thinking of, but these are at least things that will give you some ideas to get started. And just think, once you create two weeks of at-home lesson plans for your students, you'll have them the next time we have a big issue like this or a student is out for extended time for medical reasons. Yes, sometimes I am a Pollyanna, even in my own head. In any case, thank you so much for listening to this episode. You can go to autismclassroomresources.com slash episode 30 to get links to the freebies and the links to the items in the resource library. And come join our free Facebook group at specialeducatorsconnection.com for more freebies and tips that I share. And you can also follow me on social media at Autism Classroom News on Facebook and Autism Classroom Resources on Instagram, where I will be posting free units and things that I find that I think would be helpful. And in the meantime, whatever the reason is that you're listening to this episode and whatever else is going on, stay safe and stay healthy. And I hope that you'll be coming back next week for another episode. Mm -hmm.